This is a moment in wine and hip hop presented to you by Jermaine Stone, aka the Wolf of Wine. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me about it. Check this out. Oh, yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the, the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. I got a legend in the game, a young legend. We got Young Thanos with a young legend, Thomas Pastor Shack. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Oh, man, so good. It's good to be here. Thank you for coming on Wine and Hip Hop. This is great. This is actually a special episode, you know, for a lot of reasons. A lot of people may know this, but my brother, Michael Jessen, he's also in the room. Shout out to my man, Mike. Thomas is the executive wine director at the Nomad Hotel, also a hustler hit in the game. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will let him go through his resume. We're drinking some of Thomas's wines here, Empire State. Thank you for bringing this on, dog. So how did you get in the business, man? It's- I mean, it's a, a long story, and we'll keep it edited. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I guess in the end probably, you know, not intentionally, like with so many other people. Of course. You know, growing up, I always worked in restaurants, even from a young age when I was 13, 14. I was working my godfather's, like, bed and breakfast, you know, making toast. My nickname was Toastmaster General. Ah, uh, <laughs> so you've been on your rap oh, shit. yeah, exactly. For a little bit. 100%. I've been on <laughs> That's exactly. a hard rap day. Like yeah, that. man. No, I mean, it's, it's since early days. I mean, just like so many other people, basically, you know, want to put together a little bit of money to buy CDs, to, you know, take care of buying a new Jansport or whatever it was at the time. <laughs> Did you use the strings on your Jansport? Was that a thing? Oh, I changed them out. Like I had, and I had patches and everything yeah. else. I also went through a skater phase. So I had a lot of <laughs> skate patches and stuff like that. Um, no, I mean, it was, it was, restaurants were always in my world and, you know, it became eventually something that helped to pay off student loans. Um, and I kept doing it through college and it's actually what, it was me working in restaurants and then trying to go to medical school that eventually led to me getting serious about restaurants. The short Med- fr- I like how you just breeze past trying to go to medical school. <laughs> like That always happens. So I don't think you even know that I was a classical pianist growing up. You don't know about the, the music side of things, man. too. Yeah. So you could have probably... This be part one of the, uh, the Thomas interview. Yeah, how much time do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. The studio's in the office. We'll figure it out. Exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. So you would... No, so, I mean, it's basically... Um, that just because I mentioned the music thing, I grew up a classical pianist. I got into jazz. My my whole family on my mom's side were musicians in Poland, and so it was something that we that I did here, and I got really serious about it. I was competing. Um, I was traveling to Europe for a lot of competitions and studying here in Manhattan. Um, but then I got hit by a car at some point, and it was pretty bad injury, and so it kind of messed me up. And I basically couldn't compete after that for a period of time. And I was like already into science, and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. I'll keep music up, but I'm going to focus more on science stuff. And I did, and I ended up going to school upstate um, in the Finger Lakes, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit on the show, um, and ended up going to Cornell. And they had a really good program for science, but they also had a really, really good program for music. Mm. So I was like, I can do both and figure my situation out, because um, I really did want to stay very in-depth in, in music and performance and composition. And so that allowed me to do that. 
Um, but basically... Do you still play? I do, a, a little bit. It's mostly uh, me playing like Itsy Bitsy Spider for my three-year-old son. <laughs> he tends to, you know, like that. And, and uh, tickling the ivories in the back of the nomad. It's true. Actually, I, I, <laughs> there's that. Uh, funny you should mention it, though. One of Walter's favorite songs is I Can by Nas, because it's like the Fur Elise riff, <laughs> and he loves that, and so he loves, like, belting it out. So. so, yeah, it's usually me playing, like, you know, joking around on the piano with the kids. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, I basically finished up school and I was going to go to med school and all of a sudden all this was, you know, mid 2000s. All the schools are like, "Okay, we don't want to see kids right out of school with no like life experience. We want to see bedside manner. We want to see people who have some management experience. That that's what we want in our candidates." So I'd already been basically working in restaurants like on weekends. I was bartending, I was serving, I started to manage a little bit. I was like, "Why don't I do this a little bit more and maybe that will be a good opportunity for med schools to see that I have that management experience and obviously in hospitality that's bedside manner. Right. So I did it for 2 years and then basically by the end of 2 years I you know had my exams done, you know, I had everything like lined up and now that I had everything I needed I was like I'm so in love with the world of food and wine and restaurants that I really want to pursue this. And mm-hmm. so I basically, you know, said screw it and just decided to go for it. Wow. And then ended up staying in the Finger Lakes for about two years before um, some really good opportunities in New York came knocking. Um, and so that whole time, you know, running restaurants, um, taking, you know, all my days off working in wineries, helping out in the cellar, helping out in the vineyard, that got me really into wine. So by the time I made my move back to New York City in like 2011, um, there was more specialization. All of a sudden, sommeliers, that was like a thing, right. um, as opposed to just, you know, a, a restaurant manager who also buys wine and buys beer. But when I was living upstate, I had to do all that. I had to buy the beer, make the <laughs> right. cocktails, make the wine. So I studied as much as I could. But having these like really amazing vineyards in the Finger Lakes, a 20-minute, 30-minute drive from where I was living, that made it very easy for me to get the like hands-on experience and the real-life experience um, in the vineyard. Right. So that's kind of like a little bit of a summary of you know how, how I got how, to be where I am. How, yeah. how it came in. Yeah. That's dope, man. You're a New York native. And um, you're into New York wines, man. Was that uh, so? Your background in the Finger Lakes, I'm guessing you probably really wanted to just highlight the area and show, like, yo, we're doing real shit up here. I think so. I mean, like, I mean, New York is a melting pot. Um, uh, but to your point, also, there's not that many New Yorkers who originated as New Yorkers. There's not that many exactly. people today that like grew up here and still live here. And so I think for me, I had a lot of hometown pride. You know, I grew up in Queens, ended up going to school in Manhattan, had made friends like in Brooklyn and Staten Island. So yeah. like I love New York and like the diversity of it. So I think when I moved to the Finger Lakes and I, I started to like realize the quality of the wines, mm-hmm. granted I was younger and knew a lot less. I you know, still don't know that much, but you know. We're always lo- learning, man. Exactly. We're always learning. Knew a lot less, but I was like, there's something special here. And um, nobody really, like in New York City, nobody knew the best wines from the area. It was kind of one of those things where you'd have to go to a restaurant that focused on local food. Right. And then it was okay to have New York wine on the, you know, on the menu. Yeah. And so I was like, this is a little bunk because, you know, dry Riesling, Chardonnay, Cap Franc, there's some delicious wines up here. And I think that there was no, there was not as much of a voice for it. So I was like, okay, I have a pedestal. I'm a sommelier. I'm working, you know, with chefs like Tom Colicchio with, with Daniel Hume. And I was like, you know, in, in really good restaurants. And I was like, people will take note if I start to get excited. And so basically on a wine list, I would invest as much space, you know, on Riesling from Germany as Riesling from Austria, as Riesling from the Finger Lakes. And try to use that as like a springboard to get people excited. When people wanted a dry wine that was like affordable, uh, and they're like, I don't care, whatever you recommend, I would bring them dry Riesling from the Finger Lakes. The gateway grape, man. That's it, exactly. So yeah, I think I was super proud of it. And I think that 
the area is very young. You know, you don't have like Riesling and Chardonnay and Cab Franc not planted there until like the late 60s, early right. 70s. That's really young in the context yeah. of like the world of wine. So I think. So, like for, the, for a lot of people that may not be, they don't know about the old vines. Yeah. You know, what, what would you say an average. You know, like this is really young. What would you say is average age? Well, I mean, it's not even the age of the vine, but the fact that the vineyards weren't planted until the 60s and 70s, Oregon has, you know, easily 20, 40 years more on that. Napa Valley, you know, 40 to 80 years on that. You have vineyards, you know, in the Rhone with the same family making wine today as in the late 1400s. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, like, that's your so texture like right there. to put that in context. Yeah, like... family-owned winery since 1481. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's so. real. Damn. Um, but you were also into hip-hop growing up, though. Like, what, um, like, where you grew up, where you, was there a big hip-hop audience, or were you, like, the odd man? No, I mean, like, where I, where I grew up in Jamaica, like, again, big melting pot, you had, like, a lot of Asian, you had a lot of African, you had European, you had basically a lot of different cultures. And so it was, it was definitely like a mix of all those things. I was growing up playing classical piano and jazz right. and then seeing where jazz led to like the contemporary music. All my friends were listening to, you know, Nas, Biggie, Tupac. It was also not just New York like hip hop <laughs> artists. Like, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. Like Tupac, where I grew up, was just as popular as Biggie because at that you know at that time and at that point of Queens like nobody was getting territorial about it mm-hmm. um, and even like like Run, D- Run DMC wasn't even that popular with kids that I was growing up right, with because, because it was a different, was a different era yeah yeah so I think I just tried to take it all in and the same way like with you know when I was studying piano you study you know many many different many different different musicians many different composers and you try to keep it broad so i loved hip-hop because it was it was the sound of that time um and it's very much like the sound of you know where i was growing up and i loved how it kind of played in with all like the formal music that i was studying as well right yeah a lot of samples man a lot of samples so i always ask this spirit animals man if you had to pick <laughs> well you know we're all just spirits right so and wine and hip-hop is so connected um, I help my hip hop audience get to know my wine friends by mm-hmm. telling them who their rap spirit animal is. Now, I get the Jay Z answer a lot because <laughs> Jay Z. I mean, look, we all look up to Hove. You know, we yeah. all look up to Hove in some way. I mean, Empire Estate. Like you guys already have the similar mindset. Yeah. So I'm just gonna ask who the number two is. <laughs> that's <laughs> that makes sense because like even even so the, the top five question right you ask people who their top five is biggie jay-z and nas are always in it for so sure. you really only get two answers for sure so from here out and all you future guests beware it's gonna be a top eight because i want to know exactly. the five like outside of biggie and tupac so uh, let me i'll, I'll throw a curveball and i'll yeah. say i might not put him into the top five right but Someone who was who I listened to a lot, who I think like influenced my my thinking about music uh, a decent amount was was most deaf. You see one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, y'all, let's rock this. You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, speech is my hammer, bang the world in the shape, now let it fall. Huh. My restlessness is my nemesis It's hard to really chill and sit still Committed to page, I write around Sometimes won't finish for days Scrutinize my literature from the large to the miniature I mathematically add minister mm. And it's, I think it's somebody that not a lot of people talk about Because his style and, and I guess, well, I should say him and Talib Kohli yeah. um, You know, I feel like most his 
lyrically super thoughtful. He's like clearly like pulling out a lot of different reference points from history, from different cultures of music. The style is is very like special and very definitive. And I think that just the diversity of what he brought, especially like through different albums and also, you know, going through like this motion where he wrote an entire album yeah. that basically focused on talking about the reappropriation of rock and roll and music, yeah. you know, from the fifties and sixties into what it is now that like, you know, the nerd in me like really yeah. gets off on that kind of thing. So yeah, I'll throw it on. I'll be like, Biggie's the shit, you know, yeah. like I listen to it like a ton of, there's a mirror of Biggie ever, across the street from me in <laughs> right. Fort Greene. I see right. it every day, right. but I feel like maybe like late nineties, early two thousands, I started to listen a lot of most. And I think that I really connected with, with, you know, with his music. Yo, FYI, man, that's the best spirit answer, spirit animal answer question that we've had. Future guest, the bar is set. Wow, the bar is set, y'all. Mike, one day we're gonna get you on this show. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, go. we got Terrence Capital T in the building. Terrence is Mr. Riesling, by the way, man. Terrence, I know. Terrence yeah, loves I Riesling. Got, <laughs> nah, you Mr. Riesling I got now, you man. Covered right here. Exactly. Empire State. You're, you're my friend that likes Riesling the most. So, yo, you missed it. So, Thomas's spirit animal is most deaf. Wow. Best answer, bro. Dope. Best answer. Dude, I thought it was going to be like a low swing for you. I thought you were going to be nah. like, come on, what else you got? Nah, nah. But most. You know, most he I'm I'm glad we talking about him because he's I love celebrating the B sides on this show, the undercelebrated artists. Um, you know, this is about bringing what hip hop actually is to the forefront, the same way that we're bringing what wine culture actually is to the forefront. Like this is how I learned about wine through chilling, getting to know people, and having them talk about wines that are important to mm -hmm. them. I love hip hop. You know, I'm I'm in there so most conversations with me that will come up. I'll reference Jay Z four or five times. Mike is gonna talk about how Ludacris is the best rapper <laughs> of all time, <laughs> and he can explain. Mike, he's why, fast. why don't you tell the team why why you feel Ludacris is the best rapper of all time? I never said he's the best rapper. All right. Me personally, it's the best package of the rap skills, but the the, the writing just one of the most creative, good lyricists in rap. Luda got bars. I, I like how he approaches his his craft. Also, a lot of people don't really celebrate Ludacris. They don't think about him as like, yo, this guy's serious with the craft. He does his thing. They don't think about him for great albums. Like his first three albums were insane. Yeah. And one of the few artists to get Jay-Z and Nas on the track. That's true. That is very rare, man. Shout out to Luda. We are about to get into some Empire Estate. This is one of Thomas's babies. This is dope because New York Wines... And New York rhymes, it should just go together. You I know, that, that's that's the right thing. If you had to describe the essence of New York wines, how would you describe that? Well, I mean, and again, not to get too geeky about it, but New York, we're in you know the northeast of of the U.S. It's we're kind of cool climate. It's not you know we're not in a hot place. It's not particularly dry. You think of New York State, especially upstate, and you think more of like rolling hills and like very lush green kind of areas. And so I think. Think about like the garden of, you know, the East Coast. And that's what I think of when I think of New York. So very generous and like a lot of soil, a lot of different soil types, a lot of different types of aspects. And so I think that the, the character in the essence is it's about mineral. It's about, you know, this sort of, sort of savory nature, cool climate. Think like being in the mountains. Think about being in the hills. Like that's the nature of, I think, of New York wine. Maybe it's not as simple as that, but like you have Long Island, which is a, a decent wine growing area in terms of its size. 
And the Finger Lakes, which is upstate New York, you know, it's if you can imagine like the last ice age carved out these amazing rivers and they ended up stoppering up and they're these massively deep lakes. It's so much rock and mineral and, you know, the water stays nice and cool during the summer months. The water also radiates onto the vines in the summer months. So it's just this like really beautiful and still pretty pristine part of the country um, that I think of. And so I think wines from New York, I would definitely describe them as being like very mineral, very pure. Um, if you want something that has a lot of soul, that has a lot of character, that's pretty special. Um, I think the wines are pretty distinctive too. Like the style that you get from Finger Lakes wine, especially, it's very different from anywhere else. You know, that again, that, that, that sort of constant line of focus and minerality, you don't really get that in a lot of other places. So I think also because it's like young, ambitious area, it's trying really hard. There are a right. lot of people like me who are trying to make wine that maybe challenges the notion of what... So you think about when somebody's young and inexperienced, you think that they're not going to do as good, they're not going to know as much, they're not going to necessarily be as established as somebody who has been doing it for a while, when you relate it to like a human. And that's kind of the underdog approach that I think the Finger Lakes has. It's such a young, new area that there are a lot of people who are like, what are you going to do? Like, what can you actually make there? It's, it's, it, you guys haven't even figured your thing out. You're not even a few generations in. And I think that there's a lot of, like, ambition. And now there's a little bit of, you know, outside interest from Europe. And you have this new generation of young winemakers who's, like, really pushing the limit. And so there's more, there's, like, more of a need to prove yourself. And I think that that's always, like, an amazing thing to have. You know, adversity. It's a terrible thing to waste. You should take that and you should harness that energy and push really, really hard. And I think that really represents what a lot of people in the Finger Lakes are doing. They're trying to prove themselves and mm. working really hard to make that happen. Got the chip on their shoulder. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's a helpful thing. Yeah, no, it, dude, that's, that's, that's what pushes you, man. You know, I, I think that um, it's funny hearing you describe the essence of New York wines. It's funny how that can connect to the essence of um, New York, New York hip-hop, New York rhymes overall, like, it just kind of feels like we are so competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, to the point where, like, like New York is so competitive, they compete against themselves. Yep. <laughs> and that's what holds, I think, um, the New York region of rap down right now. Like, yo, you got the New York region. We're in the New York region and wine right here. This is, this is, this is... This is quintessential right here, man. This, this is, is real. Uh, this is beautiful. And this is good juice. Thanks, I think dude. you did a perfect job describing what we're tasting, man. So I taste the mineral here. Yeah, definitely. Um, how would you describe that note exactly? What does mineral taste like? Well, I guess I would start by saying Riesling as a, is, is the grape. A lot of people misunderstand Riesling and they assume that it has to be a very sweet wine. Right, right, and right. And what's amazing about the Riesling, the grape, like just like the green apple that you buy in the store, um, you know, it can be very tart and it can be very sour. Or if it's like, you know, you let it sit around for very long, it becomes very sweet and soft. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it depends on how you want to make it. And so Riesling is misunderstood as always needing to be sweet. But I love really dry white wines from around the world. And so with Empire State, with, dry, with this dry Riesling, the push is to make something that's dry and crisp and refreshing. It's, it's generous. It has, like, you know, a nice fruit character to it. It has some plushness. Like, you don't feel like you're biting into a lemon. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a lot more, like, generous fruit characteristics. So I like to kind of compare it to that, like, delicious green apple that is still 
it's ripe and it has like a lot of like flavor to it, but it's still like crisp and crunchy. And like you take a bite and right after you finish, like, you know, you you feel that tang and then you're ready to go back in, you know, for, for another, for another bite or in this case, another sip. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a lot of fruit up front, man. So I want us to process this wine with this vibe a little bit. I sent Thomas a playlist. This is the New York State of Wine playlist. My man Ben right here, he's in here. Ben is looking at me like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I've owed Ben a playlist for a little minute, man. Look, I put my heart and soul into these things. I don't just throw songs right, together. So good. the longer it takes, the more respect I have for you. That's Understand fair. that. That's a good Feel that, you know. We're going to sip some Empire State. The way that Thomas told this story about uh, the New York wine region, I wanted to tell a story about New York with this playlist. And yeah, hip-hop started in the Bronx. Yes, I'm from the Bronx. So FYI, if you haven't learned that about me yet. Crazy, yeah, right? You, I never talk about not, that. You have no side on the bridge wars, right? I, you're totally <laughs> neutral about that. Yeah, <laughs> totally neutral. Totally neutral. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, hip hop started here. So I thought that this was a really good way to get to the essence of that. I wanted to get to the essence of New York, talk about the, tell the story, talk about the influence that we've had on the hip hop culture. And also like where New York rap is today. Like when people think New York rap, they think about DJ Premier. They think about that old school boom pap as they would call it. New York rap right now is very, very different. Um, I do think that we are coming back. You know, we got some huge artists. Shout out to Cardi B, BX as well. I'm just saying. Yeah. Fat Joe did go platinum two years ago. <laughs> He's still doing it. French Montana. Um, all right, y'all, we're going to get into this New York State of Wine playlist. We're going to take a break. Uh, we got some Roberta's Pizza in the building. Uh, it's, gone now. it's gone. Mike ate it was, all of it. it was, it was personal. Personal pies. <laughs> so Mike had a couple personal pies. We're going to watch him eat. And we're going to get back to y'all. Peace out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What up? What up? What up? It's time, man. What? It's time. What up? Broken glass in the hallway, bloodstained floors, neighbors, look at every bag you bring through your doors, lock the top lock, mama should have cuffed me to the radiator, why not, it might have saved me later from my block and why cops, hookers crawling off the stroke, corp and stitches in their head, thinking I dread, thinking they be snitching, but who else? Listen, Big Boy holds it down, but Audrey 3000, like, in terms of a lyricist and a fucking ridiculous, like, creative... insane are they broken up and they just get together every now and again no i mean i think they're just not making music yeah they're gonna make an album at some point they are andre 3000 is doing features sporadically whenever he feels like seen playing the flute in the uh, in lax (laughs) (laughs) he's such a freak for 40 minutes (laughs) waiting for his flight no but that he knows how to play flute is actually yeah he plays a bunch he was he may have dropped this no he was gonna drop a instrumental album on um, the Love Below album, so Ben, this is um, a dope album to check out too. The Love Be- Speaker Box, The Love Below, genius idea. Yeah. Everybody was dropping double albums and triple albums. Somebody actually dropped a triple album, uh, <laughs> but they dropped. Oh yeah, they Outcast dropped a double album, but they did it separately. It's two members of the group. Big Boy had one album. Andre Three Thousand had another album. They just dropped them together, Speaker Box and the Quemini. Love Below. Love Below, I'm but, sorry. But they also rapped on each other's tracks. Yeah, so exactly. It's not, it's not like one was just Andre 3000, one was just Big Boy. Yeah. They were like the, you know, they were the support on each other's albums. 
but Yo. they're completely different sounds. Like That's, ridiculous. Yeah, and honestly, like I liked Outkast for a long time, but I didn't really. Honestly, I underrated Big Boy. I did, hmm. and I didn't know what the contribution to the group was, but you can hear it and how it fuses <laughs> when you listen to their music separately. And since that, Big Boy has dropped. Like I'm a, I actually think. And I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. I'm gonna get dragged in the comments, but I think, I think Big Boy is better than Andre. Whoa, I do, I do, I do. Wow, Big Boy. Big Boy is the one who's keeping them sounding like Atlanta rappers, though. Andre took it to like international level. That like the sound was like very, very different. Definitely. So exactly. on that on that um Love Below album, like five of the tracks were like instrumentals. Like he wasn't even rapping yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I maybe that's why I liked it so much. I know, I'm a I know. So <laughs> no, like, you definitely. I would say your your rap spirit animals Andre three thousand. Actually, I don't. I wouldn't say that because I'm not as ridiculous. Like he's right, like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. You're more. But I'll take it. No, yeah, he's, he's the man. Yes, it, you know what it is after getting to know your um your the way that you approach music and the way you think about it. I would definitely. I would see that. But nah, big boy, man, cool it in the polar bear's toenails. <laughs> 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 like bit the thing like big boy gets Ice missed cold. a lot because he raps like he puts a lot of words into yeah. one sentence this but true. I mean if you listen to that um Sir Lucius Left Foot album it, it Sir Lucius Left Foot the Son of Chico Dusty is a perfect album it's a great album. skits everything man uh, you should you should man you really should that album sick um <laughs> uh, but you know, we were talking about this a little earlier. Um, Thomas, we we just going to go with Mr. New York, man. You Mr. New York. I really think I that it. you're bringing New York back, dude. You're like the Bobby Schmurter of wine. Jello Beats, <laughs> holla at me. You brought New York back in a time when people weren't really thinking about New York. And, you know, we we were speaking about this on the break because we got the dope New York playlist. You can check the website out, winehiphop.com. We will have the playlist available. But... New York has always been relevant in hip-hop, but I think that people expected New York to always own hip-hop, and for a long time, they really did. You had a bunch of other re areas that were popping. They really took over, you know? Um, I think that was also why the West Coast and East Coast got into it a little, because, you know, they were fighting for that dominant yep. spot. But we're now in a place where... Like people just don't really look at where you're from per se. Like you've had your your staple artists that have always held us down through the tough times. You got your Fat Joe, again legend man. Thank you. Um, you got Dipset. You know they were very very important. But now you have um, French Montana. Now you got Fat Joe. Now you got Cardi B. We had Jackie Summers on the show who put Cardi B in his top five. Wow. I know. And he had a good reason. I respect it, but I disagreed. But, you know, you've had all these people that have kept New York relevant. Outside of Fat Joe, I think that a lot of artists... And then, you know, Bobby Schmurter came in, and really, Brooklyn kind of kicked the door in, and, you know, you New York... Manolo Rose. Manolo Rose. Yeah, that's the thing. Then you got Bobby Schmurter, you got Designer. He was a one-hit, but I think it set the tone for where New York... Nah, we don't talk about Takashi. Yeah, moving along. Um, you know, you got Casanova, Young M.A. You know, when you get artists that have these big, big, huge hits, 
there's not a distinct New York sound anymore. I feel like it's just trying to stay relevant, man. Like, that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, styles have to change. People have to change. But the way that you described the New York state of wine really reminded me of that constant chip on our shoulder that we keep of New Yorkers. Like, that shit's not going to go anywhere. That's just what it is. That's how we approach it. That's the culture now. But you know, shit's a little different, man. It, like, what's Drake's sound? Canada doesn't have a regional sound. Drake could do any fucking thing he wants. Drake doesn't have a sound. He can rap on any beat he wants. He can do the trap thing. He can kind of sing. Well, what do you think? But, you know, I feel like it used to be the case, like, late, like, especially like early, mid-2000s. I feel like artists, and this is not just for New York, but they put out a sound that was... You know, I'm from New York, or specifically, I'm from Bed-Stuy or wherever. But then they also put out a track that was meant to be like their in the club track. Yeah. You know, somebody actually just to be like obvious about it. <laughs> in the club. Fifty Cent in the club. Like it was. There, he is, got it right. Not, exactly. And, and I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, not speaking to the other the yeah. other tracks, but like I don't know if that happens anymore. Like I'm not sure if if the artists are thinking about it the same way. And I feel like maybe it's that you know proving yourself. I feel like there's more of a focus on just having a sound that is your own or you're trying to express a certain you know point of view or an experience and i think it's a little bit less about like there's you know the east coast west coast rivalry clearly very muddled now yeah <laughs> you got detroit you have the south like there's so many other places yeah. that are putting out good music so it's more about like what do you what can you do in an, you know an ocean of other like great musicians like what can you do to just be different and to put yourself out there and and to do something that's pretty unique yeah it's like more individualistic like, yeah i'd say so i i, I don't know but the cloud chasing thing also kind of got out of hand. We we touched on Takashi a little bit, but like we all saw how that turned out. But you know, and it was cloud chasing. The guy was trying to be popular. He was trying to stay popular at any cost, man. And that and that is what um yeah, cloud chasing's in a bad situation. There was a guy the other day that ran up on 50 cent and saying like Listen to look at my Instagram. Just look at my Instagram. He's like, dude, yeah, that's not gonna work. Why would you run up on Fifty Cent? That has to be the dumbest thing you could. That's like run up on run up on me before you run up on Fifty Cent. That's a bad idea. (laughs) But like, why would you? It's just you're willing to get knocked out or worse, possibly to like get a couple thousand views. You know that shit. It it kind of yeah. I think took things away. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too cultural here because, like, it's a it's a big thing. Like, what social media is doing, you know, for us, there's some really great things. Like, you get to see and hear things that you wouldn't otherwise, and you get easy access and great exposure. But I feel like, you know, especially for like the you know, really for the youth right now, it's kind of dangerous. Like, seeing like how much they depend on or how much they need that validation, and it's kind of like they'll go and do stuff that is. Maybe not really in their soul and not the thing that they want to do just because, like you said, they want a few extra likes. They want a few extra followers. And it's not really like it's, – it's, it's, it's very dangerous, I think, because there's – and there's been a lot of stuff that's been talking about depression and people doing very drastic things yep. because of that. So, again, not to get, like, too down that road, but I think it speaks to, you know, culturally, are you trying to make a sound? Are you trying to, like, create a vision and something that's very unique and it's your own thing? Or are you just trying to, like – be the flash in the pan and, you know, show off for that, like, one moment and hope that that's... If the gratification of getting that is is the most important thing, then it's, like, kind of into it for the wrong reason. It's insane. There was a guy. He robbed a bank on Instagram Live, oh dude. 
robbed the bank. Where was bank. this? This was look it up. And he, he actually said that, you know, he wanted to get money like French Montana. <laughs> Direct quote, man. I saw the video myself. Um, that's like th- that dude robbing the bank. Is that the same thing? Like when kids started to come out with guns and they were like, well, Eminem said I could do it. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's, like it's a new thing. Ver- oh, can you imagine, like, during that time of Dude. Instagram existed? Yeah, no. But, like, we're in, the mer- we're in an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> we're in a, a scary episode of Black Mirror where technology is turning on itself and, you know, where that shit's getting crazy. That's why man. I feel like I'm happy to be, like, old enough to, like, appreciate it and use the social media. But it's, like, also, I, I, I'm fortunate because I'm not as savvy as a lot of other kids and I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, you know? <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm good with it, man. I, that's it. You old. ColecoVision. <laughs> when, con- when controllers had one button. Exactly. Kids don't know. Like now, people don't even play video games in the same room anymore. No, exactly. They don't make two player games anymore. That's not really a thing. Like, you know, I, I remember when I was so excited that new Nintendo got four like ports for you to put controllers in. Like, right. I could play with four of my friends. Mario Kart. That's oh right. man, yo, Mario Kart was everything. Golden Eye, dude. Definitely goes down, you know. Golden Eye, I think Golden Eye might be the best video game ever. That's like, yeah, I don't know. That might not be up for debate, man. Golden Eye is real. That, that's, I can't really argue with that. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Mike, Mike wins Super Mario's three. First of all, first of all, shout to Mike. Because Super Mario 3 was definitely the best Super Mario. Like, when yeah, he came out sure. with the raccoon tail, that was when yeah. he could first, when he learned how to fly. Yes. That was the first one. When Mario could fly, it was like, oh, shit. I, the biggest problem was him dropping in that little hole thing. You I know? remember everyone trying to go as high as they could, and all of a sudden you couldn't go any higher, and you just tried to make it through the whole level in the same way. Yeah, no, for sure. I stopped at N64, though. N64 and PlayStation, after that, I think maybe... Things change, and I was yeah. like, it's getting a little complicated. <laughs> and I guess I also had to do like work stuff. My son is like trying to build up his YouTube channel. Mm. He's like, yeah, I'm, my, before the end of the summer, I'm trying to get ten thousand followers. And I, it's hard to tell him like, look, playing video games won't get you anywhere when you're seeing people making millions yeah. of dollars online playing video yeah. games. Like my nephew legit wants to be a pro video gamer. It's yep. a thing. It's hard to talk to these kids about it. Like how? Like what am I gonna say? I know. Yeah. Well, listen. Tying it to restaurants for a second, because I have to. You know, my parents are both Polish immigrants, so they said, you know, you have to you have to become a lawyer or a doctor or something serious. You know, it has to be like a real like thing. And so when I was like, no, I'm not going to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm not going to science and I'm gonna do like restaurants, they're like, oh, so you're gonna be like a glorified waiter for the rest of your life. Like, that was the thing. I was like, no, yeah. I think that this is an industry. It's actually becoming something. And, I mean, it has. I'm not patting myself on the back. Like, you can see it's, like, it's a real thing. Um, but, you know, there again, there's the generational thing. So, yeah. like, the older generations, like, you couldn't possibly be doing anything, like, legitimate with this. But, you know, maybe that's, that's an example <laughs> of where it is. No, my dad wanted to kick me out because I said that I was going to um, work in a warehouse. He's like, that's a dead-end job. Here we are. <laughs> you know that that was that was real tough. Um, but you know, going back to this this New York wine thing, um, yeah, New York is forever gonna have that chip on its shoulder, you know. And just because we constantly think that we should own hip hop, this is the truth, man. Like people, there's a lot of um, great down south artists, and they still, you know, give 
down south a lot of bullshit. Like, it's different. But a lot of these guys, man, greatest of all time. Like, UGK. I mean, damn. Uh, there, One of the songs that I included on this playlist was from Bun B. Mm-hmm. And... He was rapping on a DJ Premier beat. Talk to a pre. Say this young pimp C. You fucking with Primo. It's, 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 it's going down, baby. Won't make us loud in my production is tight. <laughs> we run shit. I ain't playing with okay. you. Okay, Bun is on the mic. Premier's on the track. The South is in the house. Now what can fuck with that? And what can fuck with this? I take shots and don't fucking miss. First on your baby mama bucket list. Which is just, that's what New York sounds like, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people are just always going to feel that New York sounds like DJ Premier, mm-hmm. you know? Now, if you had to pick a producer that defined New York style, who would you say? A New York producer that defines New York style? <clears throat> I mean, I'm hard-pressed not to go with kind of the OG of the Finger Lakes, and that's Herman Wiemer. Mm. Um, Herman was a, a German immigrant. He basically, like, left his family from the Mosul um, you know, in Germany in the middle of the night and came to the U.S. and, you know, started his career in the U.S. and he was making wine for a bunch of different places. Um, I think most famously, he was, like, in the late 70s, he was a winemaker at, like, a really well-established winery in the Finger Lakes area. And again, this is at a time when it's mostly, like, bulk wine. It's not high-quality wine. Um, you know, people were producing for volume, not for, like, quality. So here you have this like 100% quality focused dude from from Germany. He's hard, right? He's like by the rules, everything has to be perfection, and you know he wants to start his own winery. So his boss hears about him starting his own winery or like starting to like make plans on it, and so his boss calls him on on Christmas Eve and fires him on Christmas oh, Eve. Shit. He's like, yeah, and he's like, I know that you're doing this thing, and like, thank you so much. Like, here's the door, and so that was like, well, fuck. Now I guess I really do need to like make my winery work. <laughs> Um, which I think is like, you know, it's cold, but it's also like in moments of adversity like that, that's when you, you know, put pedal to the metal and you figure out the next step. Pressure can bust pipes, but it can also create diamonds. I love that. It's the truth. That's beautiful. And it, and it is true. That's and then, and listen, that, that, but exactly to your point, created diamonds. Because now his winery started in 79. It's one of the m- oldest, most established wineries. They're making some of the best wines. They're... Uh, it's now a new generation that's running it, and Herman still advises, but they're, like, you know, practicing the highest level of, like, of farming. Um, they even have a nursery where they're making plant material. They're making vines to sell to people wow. back on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Like, they've never stopped pushing harder and harder. And even just as they get a new accolade, just as they get, like, a new, like, special award, as they get recognized for something, they start pushing even harder on the next chapter. And I feel like that's, like... It's it's the spirit of somebody and and it's Herman, but now it's Oscar and Fred who who you know run the winery and and they now own it. But it's like yeah, it's trailblazing. It's like going in at a time when you know pushing that level of quality when no yeah. one else thought you could. That's badass. And then you know every time you do something well and you get recognized for it, you're like that's great. You celebrate it and you're like what's next and like push push the level again. Right. So I, I feel like that represents New York, not just the region, but I think that represents like the finest New Yorkers and the finest artists that we know. And again, like you know, somebody like Jay is, a, I think, a great example, right? Because yeah. it's like he started to get hits and he started to get recognized, but he hasn't slowed down. And whether it's like venturing into entrepreneurial things, starting companies, and not just like your music, you have to keep pushing and you have to keep trying to do better and better at what you're doing because otherwise I think you stagnate. Yeah. It's interesting. We're in a weird place and we really are in a weird place in New York rap and this is just whatever. I'm aging out, you know. 
Um, well, I'm transitioning. Yeah, <laughs> Let's say that. Because hip-hop overall has never been this old. So we're in a, like, you never had 50-year-old rappers, you know? Yeah. like So it's we're getting into a different space. We need adult contemporary hip-hop. Shout out to Black Thought, who hmm. I think intentionally makes rap for people my age. Here come the general for the quad centennial. I'm a non-millennial. What I rep is the old niggas. <laughs> like he, ac- he actually said that on, on, on his black It's like thought. the Allbirds will shoes uh, yeah. of rap. It's, it's, it's for this generation. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's, he's for me. But, you know, New York is really changing a lot. What do you think the direction is, man? Like what, what flow do you think New York rap is going to end up going into? I mean, I feel like there's more, I see more of an embrace of not just like pure lyrics, but bringing in great musical content. I feel like the embrace of like actually talking about internationally what's going on, as well as the civil wars that we're having, you know, in our own country. I feel like there's much more of a, I guess political is not the right word. I think it's more of like a social consciousness. It used An awareness, yeah. It used to be the case that you'd have a few people who would talk about you know, very specific social situations or what was happening, whether it's with regard to civil rights or, you know, uh, gender inequality and stuff like that. But I feel like it's become much more of a, of a known entity that, like, everyone has to embrace that and has to talk about what needs to be done better for us culturally. And I think that you just see that kind of a little bit more ubiquitously. You don't have just the, to reference my point before, the club songs. You don't right. have, like, the music where it's, like, talking about you know, a specific era or something like that. It's more about what our generation can do to improve and to make things better in the future. And and again, so maybe it doesn't sound as much like Queensbridge or yeah. like Bedside or South Bronx, but I feel like the the messages that are coming out, mm-hmm. they're a lot more like socially conscious. So I think that the, that, that should be the direction. The now, backpackers have yeah. evolved. But get, get, exactly. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I don't really like mumble rap. Like, there's a lot of like yeah. categories that like I'm not into, but I feel like there's you can't just talk bullshit anymore yeah. and like expect people to like pick it up because it's got a good beat, you know, or like you have a good sample in there and it has to be like much more thoughtful. So, yo, I will say this, you know, it's funny. I think that is definitely a big part of New York rap, but New York has gotten to that very simplified space. And I love, I love all of it. You know, I love the trap stuff. I think that music's only responsibility is to articulate an emotion and, you know, you might hear M.O.P. They're screaming in all these records, you know, big pun, the New York Giants joint that's mm-hmm. on this record. You feel you might even feel like that for a split second. But that is a great explanation of an emotion. Trap music. I, lo- I love it, man. Even sometimes the shit doesn't have any words. Sometimes it's saying the same thing over and over. Now rapping off beat is in. Um, but yeah, rapping off beat. That's also. Like, yeah, it's in. It's in. I've seen, you know what? There's there's a skill in it. You have some people that'll start off beat and then jump right on beat and then go off beat. There's another song where um, uh, Saha the Prince did that like really really well. Was the type to shoot the niggas then? Pray that y'all live so we can swing by your house and come and spread y'all crib. Had the trap on cleaning out by the Kmart, bitch. I brought them bags to the hood and made them slang our shit. In Atlanta, y'all don't know how good my face card is. Turn the racetrack on Boulder Crest to a baseball field. It's safe to say it's all real, but all my scars is all healed. Cause I've been stabbed in the back more times than Paul Pierce. Uh, you had art like Manolo Rose. He can be an artist that can go a little offbeat mm-hmm. sometimes. Currency is another one, but he's also really good. T Grizzly, he does that a lot. Also really good though. Um, but Sheck West. He's not even really saying any words. But this song translates such 
an emotion. I got hoes calling a young nigga phone. Where's Ollie with the motherfucking dog? I be ballin' like a motherfucking pro. But it translated such a vibe there was a party they crashed Jesus. through the floor people got hurt man they broke the floor in that but i'm i'm into all of it i'm into all of it man new york is embracing a lot of shit the energy is always going to be there we'll always it's always going to be gritty it's always going to look like bushwick but like you have so many different perspectives now because of the growth of hip-hop there's this girl we played her on the last podcast i had no idea about this woman Aquafina. I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was in um Crazy Rich Asians. She's so talented, but it's this small Asian woman. She was so Brooklyn on that record. She's so Brooklyn. in Bushwick. They all live in Bushwick. They all love Bushwick. But I say fuck that shit. Pull over by the bird. Hips the pussy market. Feeling on these vegans. It's like the smell of armpits. The skinny ones are artists. It's obvious they starving. Your shit art don't pay bills. It eats ramen. Your New York City bitch. That's where I come from. Not where I moved to. Oh my and you wouldn't think that a small Asian woman would like be so Brooklyn, but she is. And it is very authentic. <laughs> what I was saying before, I feel like there's going to be more of that social obligation to talk about what's happening in our society. I think more of it is has to do with like how we treat each other like in our country yeah. relative rel like relative to politics like because like you know somebody like Eminem like making a huge splash with like his outward like really outlandish like political commentary there's times for that and I feel like maybe now is is the time and you have yeah. a couple people who are you know who are definitely you know acting out and who are speaking out a little bit more about it I just feel like it's to be more about people just talking about ourselves culturally and like how we should be treating each other i feel like there's an opportunity for that and like hip-hop culture it's become so much more ubiquitous like you have you know 60 year old guys like going out and drinking really good wine and you know really loving not just yeah. like old school but new school as well so i think there's more of an opportunity where that general sound is is so much more accessible to people that it's just easier to get a message across because it doesn't feel like it's a niche it's not like you know, like rusted root 20 years ago where it's like only hippies like wearing Birkenstocks like in Vermont or like, you know, listening to that style of music. It's like much more accessible. Right. So I feel like it's more to do with the fact that it's going to be easier to like get a message across and hopefully, because music is supposed to be about healing as well as getting a message across as well as, you know, kind of finding peace with yourself. But there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can use it and hopefully the way it's used is to like bring our, our country together and bring right. our communities together and just like do, do more good. That doesn't sound too too, yeah. too hippy dippy. I think there's a lot of that though. You know, I really the world's getting smaller. <clears throat> um, I do think that hip hop is doing a lot to bring cultures together in a lot of different ways. You have people that you have conversations happening that would never happen between groups that would never have a reason to talk. That is why we do this show. Um, wine also does that. You know, it's my man Fritz Hatton used to say the social equalizer. Mm. You know, it's like People that really like wine and enjoy wine want to talk about it. And they love to talk about it with people that 
know a lot about wine and love it just as much, or people that want to learn about mm-hmm. wine. Um, so, you know, wine and hip hop, man, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. We just didn't realize it. Nah, they go, what are two things that go well together that I you didn't? Somebody says peas and carrots. But like, what are two things that you didn't know went together really well, but do? Um, Really? There you go. That's that's a, that's pretty strong. Really? Watermelon and feta cheese. When did you? Yeah, that goes exactly. really well. Nah, that's perfect, dude. <laughs> what? I've picked up a watermelon and had some feta cheese left over from a cracker. I think watermelon feta cheese. Yeah. Yeah. What should we drink with that though, guys? Watermelon feta cheese. What do we? What do we put in with that? Fairly Strand Riesling. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Dry Riesling, yeah. Let's some see. Empire Estate. There we go, man. Capital T just put it all together. T is actually working on a section for the site called um, Tasting Notes for the St- from the Streets. Mm. So you can expect to um, see that pretty soon. T's developing his palate, um, and he's going to take us on that journey with him. <laughs> Tasting Notes from sounds, the Streets. Sounds great. <laughs> hey, if you need any extra wine or any support on that, let me know. Yeah, yeah man. Happen to so. help hook it up. This brings us to our conclusion. Thomas, where do they find you? Where can the the the, the crew find you? You know, Nomad is uh, is home, 28th Street and Broadway. So come hang out because uh, it's it's a fun restaurant. But we also have some nice lounge spaces. We have the Nomad Bar, which is you know very rowdy and fun, and it's not a you know high price point of entry. It's pretty accessible, so you can come in for. An inexpensive glass of wine, a good cocktail. It's lit. It's a lot of fun. So <laughs> that's it. Slick guys. Social media. What's your social media? Uh, it's it's at Thomas Pastushak, which is my name, which is a little bit challenging, but I know we can Google we can it. that in. Exactly. Google me, bitch. <laughs> my name is so hard that any t- any way you fuck it up, writing it into the computer, into the search engine, it's gonna find me. It's it's, it's, it's that bad that it's that good. Yo, look, man. I, I wanted to make sure that we got your last name correct. So I actually recorded myself saying it and just like played it, played it, played it. So I wanted to make sure we didn't make that mistake today. Thank you for coming, man. Thank you for bringing this the Empire pleasure. State. This was dope, man. This was a great episode. This is another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Thomas, thank you for coming through. Thanks for having me, buddy. Peace, y'all. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. All right. This concludes another moment in Wine and Hip Hop.